Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today, Katie and I, we're talking about family Bible times. What do those look like for us? What did they look like for us growing up? Katie was brought up in a large family uh, that you know had a father that led family Bible times and a mother that led family Bible times. It was the same with me. I grew up in a, in a great big family, in a great big family, in a family that was large and great, and uh, we did family Bible times. However, our experiences were slightly different. And so we're changing some things and how we're doing it in our home. And we're constantly learning some new things, some tactics some tricks. And so we thought this would be fun to talk about because many of you have asked about family Bible times. How do you get your kids to sit still through them? You know, do your kids pay attention? Are they even learning anything during these Bible times? Are they fun? Are they laborious? Etc. Folks, Katie and I are so grateful to be able to do this podcast, to be able to talk with you, talk with each other, work through issues as a married couple, as a as a family. And, uh, and this, we are able to do it because of you. So thank you so much for supporting us via leaving ratings and reviews on various platforms or by subscribing to our YouTube channel, maybe even liking the video. If you do like it, all that, yeah, all that stuff. Let's get this thing rolling. The now that we're a family podcast. Well, everybody that listens to our podcast on a regular basis knows that we're relatively obsessed with systems in our home. I mean, that's kind of the impetus of the get it all done club. It's a big motivation in the growth initiative. And yet we are, we have recently discovered a new system that we are just once again, newly excited about. Yeah. So you guys have probably heard of GoodRanchers.com. We decided to try them out three months ago. And I tell you what, they have been a joy. Every time we get our big old box on our doorstep that says American Meat Delivered, you just feel super patriotic starting there. Um, I was shocked when I checked out their website and learned that 85% of grass-fed beef is actually imported. And that shocked me because we've been buying only grass-fed meat for years now, just from the supermarket. And I was like, I mean, you know, nothing against all our listeners from all over the place, but I want to support America (laughs) (laughs) and American farmers. And so when we found this company, they have four young kids. They're Christian. The company doesn't. The the owners of the company. (laughs) I mean, the company probably has more kids than that at this point, you know, when you think of... But yeah, the owners of the company. Yes, they have four young kids. They're Christians. And they were just someone that we wanted to support. And so we started buying our Good Ranchers beef and chicken. And then every time, like every time I've opened the box, it has been a fun surprise. And we keep getting surprised. Like, first of all, all the little packages. By the way, I'm getting somewhere with this. We do have a discount code for you guys. We asked them for one, and it is Voteberg. So you have to learn how to spell our last name and pronounce our last name in order to use the discount code. It will be linked down below, Um, and it gets you $20 off any subscription. So you can check out all their meat subscriptions, and then it also gets you two pounds of free chicken every single month for a year. So that's over $189 of free meat. Whoa. Which is pretty cool. It's their new year, new meat offer. So we're excited to share that with you guys. Um, but something that has been so fun is, okay, so I get my big American meat delivered box. Then I open it up and I'm pulling out all these packages and each package is individually, like each chicken breast, vacuum sealed and shrink wrapped so it will stay fresh in your fridge for over a year. All their chicken is beyond organic. And if you guys don't know what that means, we've been taking beyond organic 
supplements for years now. And it's because the organic standard has really slipped, you guys. And you can still, there are certain hormones and antibiotics and vaccines that you can give those chickens under an organic label. And so I love that they go beyond the organic standard, go above and beyond it, and don't ever give any of those things to their chickens. So anyways, that's a side point. But you open up all these individual packages, and then on top of that, to make your meal prep even easier, you can get seasoned, pre-seasoned packages, and they don't have any MSG or junk. It's just real seasonings. And so we have their Italian seasoned chicken. I love their garlic seasoned chicken. And then the other night, I pulled out their fajita seasoned chicken, thinking I'm going to have to slice this all up. And you open up the little chicken breast looking packages, and it's already filleted for you. Wow. Like it's all, I don't know the proper word, but it's all sliced up. You just dump it out and the meat's all thin. And anyways, they just go way above and beyond. And we're so grateful that they exist. And we wanted to pass them on to you guys. Yeah, so be sure to check the link below and use our code. Because as Katie already said, that coupon code VOTEBERG gets you $20 off any kit that you buy, any package that you buy. And then it also gets you what? Two, two pounds of free chicken every every, every month. order. Yeah, come for a on, year. that's crazy. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. If you don't know where to start, check out their weekly essentials box. It makes meal prep a total breeze. You guys know I'm a huge fan of meal prep, and everything's already pre-trimmed and it's just like ready to plug and play. So, anyways, we have been very very happy not only with just how simple it has made our lives. Like the simplest dinner ever is take one of their pre-seasoned chicken breasts. I just thaw those out and then grill a vegetable and slice some sourdough and make a salad. That's dinner. We have that at least once a week. So anyways, go check them out. And um, yeah, that's all we've got to say on that. So today's episode, family Bible times. We, Why this just was kidding one, on his family leader voice? Yeah, actually, when we were reading some past Q&As, many of you have asked questions regarding this topic, and the questions have varied. I'll read a few of them just to kind of give us a little bit of a framework here. Uh, Katie, you, you heard a message from somebody recently about how do you, know, how do you even lead a Bible time if you feel ill-equipped, um, whether that's a man or a woman, and you're trying to start this new routine in your family. Somebody asked, you know, how to stay consistent with family uh, devotions and family Bible reading. That's a great question as far as the consistency goes. And then another one was, how do you get your kids to sit still? And it's like, that is a big question. And I think that there's some confusion around what we do on this, because we have mentioned before that we will use family Bible times as a way to train for Sunday gathering. For, for the corporate gathering. And we still, yeah, we do do that. If there's a kid that is having a hard time sitting still throughout church, we will take advantage of the family 20 or 30 minute Bible time just to get them accustomed to sitting still on my lap or sitting still right next to me or right next to you. However, we don't want the predominant, I guess, sentiment towards family Bible time to be one that's negative. We want that to be a positive sentiment towards family Bible times. And so we oftentimes, you know, I guess we want it to, like I said, we want it to be enjoyable. And so if our kids want to sit on the ground and color while we're reading, we will do that from time to time. Like I said, we change it up. There are times where, and I think you know this as a parent, where you're like, okay, we got to tighten things up here. 
the kid, you know, whether you see it on a Sunday at church where you're like, wow, you guys were, you know, here we had like our six seats that we had saved for us. And somehow you took up like 11 and a half, you know, seats here, here in the church service. We got to kind of reestablish what sitting still means. And we will, again, use our family Bible time for that. But we want the general theme to be that this is just a fun family time. And we want it to be a time to snuggle with our kids. Obviously, we want them to hear God's word. And more importantly, I think we just want them to associate reading God's word with something that we do as a family. Like that's what Christians do. They get together and they read the word of God together as a family. I know that that's, that was my expectation when I got married and had children because of the standard that my parents set and that expectation. And it was something that I look back on with fond memories. We, we enjoyed family Bible times growing up. And, and I don't know how it was for you growing up, Katie, if it was something that you guys enjoyed, or if it was a time of like, you know, stern, strict, you know, uh, I guess training. Um, what was that like for you guys? Yeah, well, it's interesting looking back because I obviously don't remember when we were really, really little. Mm. Um, but something that I wanted to point out real quickly to your point when we use family Bible time as a training for Sunday is we used to do this a lot more when the kids were younger. Now we don't do that as often. And we also, we it wasn't just with Bible time we would do that. We'd often do it with family reading time. Mm-hmm. And so the correlation was different. It wasn't with God's word. We always have to sit still and, you know, have a ramrod up our spine. Mm-hmm. It's like we were also, we would do that when we were reading Little House on the Prairie yeah. or something like that. So it just kept the association from being always this stiff thing when it comes to reading God's word, right. which I think is important, even though we were training like th- at least three nights a week for Sunday when we had a lot of little ones. Mm. Um, but going back to how it was when I was growing up, it was always very interactive. And I think that that was something that was encouraging. Uh, My dad would read a passage from scripture and then we'd usually do a question or a comment. (laughs) And so he would ask a question of us. And so we'd get to pipe up an answer or he would have a comment on a specific part of the passage. It was never super long and laborious. And I appreciated that. Often we would sit around and knit when I was like in high school. Um, and those are usually our family evening times. Our family evening times, I should say, were when my dad was home. And he had a traveling schedule for many years. Um, and so he wasn't home on the other nights and my mom would do a read aloud book. She usually did the Bible times in the morning at breakfast when she was home. Um, but in the evenings we would do just like a read aloud if daddy was gone. Yeah, it's funny with you mentioning the interact the interactive nature of your guys's Bible times. It does remind me a, a theme that we had. And again, this was just kind of a consistent thing. It wasn't a hundred percent of the time, but it was pretty uh, routine. And that was that we would do the whole read in a circle. If we were reading a proverb, for instance, which was a common book of the Bible that we would go through as as a family, for the obvious reason, you get one one per day of the month, right? You just go to that's that's how you decided what what, what you're going to read for the day. Uh, but I can remember not knowing how to read and having my older siblings go around the circle and, and read a verse, right? Everybody would read a verse and you go to the next person, read a verse, read a verse and desiring so greatly to learn how to read just so I could be a part of the read aloud club when it came to family Bible times. And then even as, you know, I learned to read aloud, we would have these fun games, you know, where it's like, if you read the last verse, you win, you know, and I mean, I don't even know if you won anything, but it was just this, this claim that you could, that you could you know, have that you read the last verse. And so over time, it kind of became a deal where, you know, 
my dad would like catch us like subtly switching places, you know, on the couch. Because you're like doing the math and you're counting everybody around the circle. And you're like, oh man, if I just move over two spots, I get the last verse. And so we would try to sneak over, you know, two places without anybody really noticing what you were doing. Um, and so, and then once again, my my dad would just ask the questions. And, 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 I, and I've, you know, I actually, my dad talked about this in, in an episode that I did with him. Just, you know, not looking at the role that you are as a father and accepting that you, like you are not going to, um, I think you can, you can be really scared as a, as a dad to be like, oh man, I'm, I'm ill-equipped for this. You know, I don't have the, the training. I don't have, uh, I don't, I don't read Greek. I don't read Hebrew. Like how, how am I going to be able to articulate and, and teach God's word to my children in an effective manner? And that's the reason I think he started with Proverbs is one, they are very practical. Like they are, man, you know, the, with a folding of the hands, just a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, you know, at night. To rest, so thy want come as as one that, or so thy poverty comes as one that travaileth, and thy want as an armed man. Or maybe I switched the want and the poverty. Yeah, and that's King James Version, so that might sound a little bit complicated, but there's these (laughs) verses that that you, as a kid, you know the meaning, you know, the, the wicked man flees when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. I can remember those verses from the time I was a kid, and it's just very practical wisdom. It's very... Yeah, pra- Proverbs 22, right? Is My that? dad would always say, we're going to read about the wicked flea, and I'd get so excited about that. Like, there's a wicked flea in the Bible? Oh. And then you would read that verse, and we're like, what? It's nice. just regular. <laughs> yeah, and obviously it covers many things. The adulterous woman, you know, in Proverbs, is that five and eight, I think? Seven. Or, or, or Proverbs five and seven? Yeah. Yeah. I and remember then- when we were, I don't know, in our teen years, and one of your younger brothers said something about a Proverbs 7 woman. And I was like, Proverbs 7? And that was the first time I associated that passage on the adulterous woman with Proverbs 7. But it's right. And since then, it's like, you know, kind of a, you know what someone's talking about when they say the Proverbs 7 woman. Yeah. And then, of course, you got the Proverbs 31 woman, you know, and we get to acknowledge Katie every time we read that. (laughs) You know, I said, I tell my kids, you know, we could read this passage or we could just look at your mother and, and probably, you know, get the same. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. The point is, God willing, is that day. my dad, you know, was not a, this, he's awesome, but it's not like he was this, this extremely well-read or well-studied man when he started having kids and had the desire to lead family Bible times, but he could read the Proverbs and he would do his own little anecdotal, you know, I guess, instruction from it. And it was so beneficial. And, and I think the main takeaway wasn't that, oh, my dad taught us amazing uh, Bible teaching is that my dad modeled reading the Bible and applying it to his life and and bringing it to to his kids and that's really what stuck and I would say that's probably one of the most important things that you can give to your kid is a love for God's word a desire to go to God's word and it's pretty humbling seeing in our own child now you can tell them God's word is our rock and our foundation and you know it's going to guide us whether to go to the right or to the left and it's you know, we find we find our our being and and our duty in God's word we find everything hope for life you know with the gospel message everything's there in God's word is fully sufficient you can tell it to the kid but then when they witness you doing it it takes on a whole new uh i guess power a whole new influence in their life when they witness you doing it and we see that with our children now like i don't even know if they know why they like reading the bible but they know they want to read the bible they want their own bible they want to get up in the morning and read with us and that's that's how it was growing up because we admired our parents and that's what they did yeah i think that 
what you hit on was super important. And that is people ask the question, you know, what are kids getting out of a church service when they're sitting with the parents? And the same question goes to what are they getting out of when they're sitting at home reading a Bible that is above their, you know, understanding level. And it's just the fact of we worship as a family. Mm -hmm. We do this consistently. We worship as a family. Um, Elisha is the leader of our home spiritually. He's presented that way. And we're all following that authority. And obviously we all have our own individual relationships with Christ, but this is something that the kids get to see him valuing. And I did an Instagram poll. I don't know. This was a couple years ago, but it was saying the percentage of children that would go to church and carry on the faith if their mom went to church versus if their dad was the one going to church. And I think it was like 30% versus 70%, Mm. which is just crazy. How many kids would continue carrying on that faith depending on which parent was primarily pushing Mm. the faith aspect. And so just the kids seeing Elisha getting out his Bible and heading up a family Bible time makes it cool, makes it appealing, makes it something that they want to aspire to. And so that's a big reason why we do this Mm -hmm. as a family. Like you said, it's just a part of our identity as Christians and our righteousness is not found in how long our Bible times are or whether we do them or whether we skip a night or are over at a friend's house or whatever. But this is what Christians do. We are in God's word. Yeah. I love that mindset. And anytime you ask the question, well, what's a kid even getting out of this, whether it's in a family Bible time or the church service? One, I mean, that's the wrong question to ask with the corporate gathering anyways, because what church is, is the gathering together of the church to worship God corporately. Like we're gathering together to partake in the administering of, you know, the the various sacraments that he's given us and to, to hear the word of God taught to us. We do that. And and when you, if you ask that question, well, what are they even getting from it? It's like, so what's like, what's the standard in to be able to sit in the sanctuary? Like do you have to be able to get, you know, 40% of the sermon in order to pass. Do you have to be able to get, cause I know there's for sure Sundays where I'm in the service and I'm not getting everything that the pastor intended for me to get. And, and I'm sure there's other people in there that are on a good day getting 50%, you know, of what he intended for the, uh, for the congregation to get. And so when you apply that to your kids, it's like, why don't we apply that to everybody in the church? And then you realize like, oh, that's not the point. The point is that this is what Christians do. We get together and we worship our God. And it's the same thing as a family. We worship God as a family, regardless of what, what are we getting from it? It's like, well, hopefully more and more as we grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and hopefully our children do understand by get understand grasp you know are affected by it or sanctified by it hopefully that becomes more and more as they grow in their intellect and in their knowledge and understanding of the lord um but like you said katie regardless of what we are comprehending what we are grasping it's just what you do as a christian you read god's word you worship him uh, you know as a family and and i and i hope that my children grow more and more in their understanding of that and in the application of it just like i hope i grow more and more in the understanding and the application of it but i'm not going to wait until i think like okay and now i know i'm going to get everything that you know god intended from the book of colossians you know to to the church now i'm going to read that because i i can now get everything from it and then i'll read it now we just go to god's word humbly we trust the Holy Spirit teaches us. We we it's the authority. We submit ourselves to it, um, and we read it 
over and over and over and over again because we're always getting, we're always growing. Yeah, it's interesting because when I think of, you know, just as I'm sitting here, I guess I'm thinking back on growing up. And it's funny because my mom told us she loved the Old Testament. When I think of my mother, she was always coming with her Bible times from Isaiah. And she would read to us a lot of the Old Testament stories of the heroes of faith in the Bible. And then my dad was very much New Testament. And so every time he read, it was like Romans, Peter, James. And um, and so those were fun in the evenings. But something that was always, I guess, the most fun Bible times were the proverb ones, mm. I guess, for me. Because it's funny, you don't realize, like something that we did as a family, and this could be fun to do in your family, was we brought this up before, but my dad would say, finish the sentence. And so you read the first part of the proverb, and then everyone tries to guess what the last half of the proverb is. And it's a really fun way to keep kids engaged. You know, you mentioned before, Elisha, that reading around in a circle, verse by verse, that really keeps everybody engaged too, because as soon as a child can start to track reading wise they're trying to read so that they can follow along for when it's their turn to read the verse they don't want to be caught off guard so that's one way to engage a child and keep them from zoning out i mean it's one way to engage a teenager (laughs) you know like just all the way up if someone's just droning on and on in a chair it's really easy to just check out that's what i mean as an adult i am so prone to zoning out and checking out yeah we all are it takes work to stay engaged and so um, that's one way to keep children engaged and then another way is to have them finish the verse especially after you've been through proverbs a few times and you start to it starts to bring up conversation even beyond the proverb because you know there's one place in proverbs where it says answer not a fool according to his folly. Mm. And the very next verse says, answer, answer a fool according to his folly. And so you're like, okay, well, like these are verses are back to back as the Bible contradicting itself. Like we know that it's not, these things are working together and you start to see, oh, wisdom is knowing when to answer someone and knowing it's worth it and when not to answer someone. Mm. Or um, even I think of all the verses on surety. He that hateth surety ship is sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as a kid, that's just a fun thing to say. Yeah. But then as an adult, when you're in your dealings, you know, financially, I think of that verse all the time. Wow. He that hateth surety ship is sure. <laughs> and um, you don't realize, I guess, how much, maybe as a child, none of these, all these words are going over your head. The vocabulary is going over your head. You don't really get the context. But then you're, 30 years old all of a sudden and these words are imprinted in your brain yeah and you don't realize how much wisdom has been just written on your heart and in your mind yes and it's just you can recall it in moments and you're like oh my goodness that is what that verse was talking about right yeah i mean i feel like that happens to me time and time again where a proverb will come to mind that I have I haven't thought about for maybe fifteen years, you know, or twenty years, maybe since I was yeah. in my in my dad's household, and a proverb will come to mind. I'm like, oh, that's right. Like the Bible spoke to this. And yeah, it's like the number one, I guess, just like even just straight up from like a moralist standpoint, the number one thing, a tool I feel like you can use to teach your children character and morality is. It, it are the proverbs. Oh, the proverbs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I feel like I would rather do that and just 
go over and over and over and over it, mm-hmm. then, you know, we went through a lot of different character studies and stuff like mm-hmm. that growing up. And I can't, I couldn't tell you what any of those mean, right? you know, but what comes to mind when I'm wanting to be deceitful, it's verses online being an abomination to the Lord mm. or adjust weight and balances or, you know, like, yeah, keeping bad company and, yeah. and then like having been in the counsel of many, you know, even the like safety. the wounds of a friend. Like yes. when you have someone confront you that really cares about you and taking to heart, like, Oh, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Like this yes. is a good thing. Um, Anyways, there's just so many practical applications to that that will stick with you forever. Yes, given to much wine and given to, yeah, exactly. So many verses on alcohol. Yes, exactly. Just wisdom around that. So many verses on friendship. Yes. Um, Or even, you know, explaining, oh, come with us, cast in, let us all have one purse, you know, let us all align and get all entangled together with feet that are swift to go shed blood yes. and so many verses on mischief. Yes. Um, that was a really big one in our home. Mischief was not allowed being foolish. Mm-hmm. My dad was really big and my mom on being creative and be creative in a positive way. How can you bless someone else? Use your creativity to surprise someone by blessing them, not to surprise someone by having acid come out of their toothpaste. Yes. You know? And so just there was no mischief or mischievousness allowed in our home because you see that in Proverbs and it's synonymous with being a fool. It is, yes. And a fool is the opposite of wisdom. God yeah. hates that kind of behavior. Yeah. Very well, clear on that. And I think that that is some, one of those things that I'm realizing more and more. It was ingrained in me. I didn't. I don't even think I realized it at the time. Yeah. But when, now when I see foolishness in myself, in my children, like I don't want to have anything to do with that. And there are other people that I don't think prioritize it as much and whatever. I'm not, like the point is, is that those are things that stick out to me right now. And I think yeah. they were ingrained as, as a father. It's like, okay, I really do not want to raise foolish children. I don't want them to be mischievous. That's another thing, Katie, mm-hmm. that oftentimes that's something that is lauded and praised in our culture is kids using their creativity in a mischievous way. Mm-hmm. And that was a no-go in our home, just like it was yeah. in your home, where it's like, no, this is destructive. Like, that's not what Christians do. Like we, like you said, we don't, we don't toilet paper houses. You mm-hmm. know, we don't, we don't, you know, mess with our friends' cars. You know, we don't, yeah, we don't saran wrap them. Like think we like, oh, it's all in good fun. But it's like, why don't you do something all in good fun that isn't spoken against in scripture? Like, yeah, I'm serious. Exactly. Like, it sounds like it's this like non, like amoral activity or whatever, yes. but it's something that fools do, not the wise. Exactly. Um, so anyways, just, yeah, cannot speak to doing that enough. And I guess we have just started really last year, we started reading the Proverbs to the kiddos Mm -hmm. at breakfast. And then this year is the first year that just this last month, we started doing little verse thing, read around in the circle and we don't get through a full proverb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something else that I was going to say is just the timeline expectations for your kids. Cause I think that was one of the questions of like, was along the lines of like, our kids hate this basically, you know, like like, (laughs) our kids hate this, you know, I'm, I'm torn. Like, should I, do we need to muscle this out? Like, what is the, what's the minimum time we have to do? And we don't view it that way at all. I, I remember sharing we'll this story. give you a rubber stamp if you do five minutes. Yeah, I can remember this story. And I, I, I don't even know if this is how the story went, but I was listening. I, you guys have heard me reference uh, Nate Wilson, N.D. Wilson, a few times. He's got the podcast stories, Our Soul Food. And he was talking about um, 
when he was growing up and they would do family Bible times, his dad, who's Douglas Wilson, would be in a pat would be they'd be whatever their their reading plan would take them through Leviticus or something. And and it would just be like this brutally boring section of the Bible. And their dad would get done. It was like, well, and he basically would say to his kids, he's like, well, that was a, that was a tough one, guys. I think we should I think we should celebrate and go get some ice cream. Like, and he would save stuff like that for those hard passages because his whole point was like, I want this association to be a positive one for my kids. When we're in these tough passages that we're going through as a family, and this is boring, nobody wants to do this. Like, sweet sweeten the deal a bit. You know, go give them, go pull out frozen strawberries from the fridge. And have them, you know, chew frozen strawberries on this on this part that's really, really brutal. And we've done stuff like that because it's like we want this to be – you hear Katie and I talking about it. We have great associations with family Bible times growing up. And I want that to be the case with my kids. You don't have to make it a game. It's not a joke. You treat the Word of God seriously, but you also want it to be a positive experience for your kids. And I think the amount of time that you're doing that uh, – the, the amount of time that you're doing your Bible times uh, plays, plays a role in that. Yeah. And as far as like length, I mean, we probably do like 10 minutes. Yeah. Seven to 10 minutes. Yeah. Of the Bible time. Of the Bible time. Cause it's, it's mixed into kind of other things we do in our evening routine now, routine now. Yeah. Elisha gives the kids music lessons. Um, we do some scripture memory or quoting poems, stuff like that, just recitation stuff. And then we do Bible time, which is interesting because the kids actually pushed us into doing this every single night. Yes. We added in our family reading time first. Yes. And for a year and a half now, we've been doing reading aloud, or maybe two years now, Mm -hmm. reading aloud every night. But then the kids started asking for Bible time every night. Yes. And so they're the ones who actually added that little chunk there into Mm. our... Our evening routine. Yeah, and I think something that, you know, was a trigger for that was getting them their own Bible. They were so fired up, like Leon having his own Bible. He, like, wants to bust that thing out of family Bible well, time. Well, yeah, he'd been asking for it for, like, four months, though. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, he, you know he wanted that. You know what I'm that. saying? Yeah. Like, we didn't get it to him to incentivize reading no, scripture. No, It's something he... Now all the kids want one, obviously, and now I'm just using it as in a... Well, <laughs> as to incentivize reading. Yeah. It's like, well, you can't quite read fluently enough to get your own Bible yet. Yeah. And then something else that we do, we've said this before, to keep your kids engaged if they don't know how to read yet, we will tell them to look for a word and say, okay, raise your hand every time you hear my son. And then the kids have to pay attention to that, you know, and and then you really re- reward them because you'll see some kids will just going to be zoning out and I'll say my son. And the one that sticks their hand up is so proud of it, you know, and the other siblings are like, oh, my, oh man, I can't believe I missed one. And so that makes, that's a really fun way to keep the kids You're engaged. You're right. You do that with all the, all the littlest ones. Yes. Do that's that. Right. Just the listen for the word. Yeah. And then something else that can also just be, I think, um, I don't know. Do you want to read the question of the person with the two and three year old or let's see if I can find someone it. has a two and three year old that asked this question. And, um, you know, Sometimes it might just be easier to get a book of catechisms. Like we really like the truth and grace catechisms. Uh, We can link their book down below. It's a really short catechism for kids. And that's something that I know, like my sister with her young children started. And we did the same thing with our kids for a while before reading scripture consistently. And you just ask them, you know, three questions every night. Who made you? God did. Why did God make you? For his own glory. Um, and just have them have these little call and responses. That's 
also an awesome way to engage young children when they aren't really ready to sit while a big chunk of scripture is read. Yeah, I think this might be the question you were talking about. It says, we've been doing Bible readings at night with our kids, ages two and three. They can't sit still or be quiet, and it really aggravates my husband when he's reading. I I stay calm and insist we push through. I keep telling him that we just need to be consistent and they will learn. How do you handle this? Okay, so... Two things come to mind. Well, the first thing that comes to mind is if your husband's probably resenting you a little bit, maybe more than the kids at this point. Well, she might not say it like that to him. She was probably just like texting really fast in the question box. And yeah, came but across I mean, way. I've done stuff like this, so I'm not blaming you. But I'm saying if, just from experience, if I'm insisting something as a wife that's getting on Elisha's nerve, then now the thing's getting on his nerve and I'm getting on his nerve. <laughs> so you're playing from behind. <laughs> so it's not a fun place to be playing from. Um these are really little children. Hmm. I would encourage you by saying, first of all, um, a three-year-old and a two-year-old can sit still, but the time of day might be unhelpful hmm. if they don't know how to sit still already. Hmm. We always practice sitting still in the morning, mm-hmm. and it was actually a little block of our morning time for about 10 or 15 minutes. The children practice sitting still, and we did this for years. That would be like the blanket time, right? Yes, and blanket time, I don't say blanket time anymore because everyone has this weird image that comes to mind with blanket time, which is like tempting children off the blanket and then spanking them to get back on the blanket. And yeah, you like put a bunch of treats around the blanket. Like like you put a licorice fence around it and be like, Like don't touch it. The misconceptions (laughs) I have heard about blanket time, I am just like, okay, we'll come up with a new term. That is not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about giving your child boundaries to stay within. I feel like the blanket is very gracious because instead of having them sit on a hard little chair, they get to play around on a blanket. Mm. Um, So it gives them a little bit more wiggle room with some toys and a book or something like that. And We would use a chair from time to time too. We, we would. Once that. the kids got to about two years old, they had to yeah. sit in a chair or sit in daddy and mama's lap. Um, but we'd always do this when everyone was at their best, which mm-hmm. was in the morning. And this is especially helpful when you just have little kids and you don't have any big kids. So now we have peer pressure on our side. Yes. There's an expectation that's already been set. You know, we have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and four-year-old that sits relatively still, <laughs> depending on the night. And then the two-year-old is watching them and being like, okay, I clearly am the odd one out here when I'm jumping up and running around. Mm -hmm. So he can see. So the little kids catch on a lot quicker. Same thing. He's the two-year-old right now is sitting through what the older kids are capable of sitting through because that's just where the maturity level of our family is. If we were just doing this with a two-year-old, we wouldn't be going as long. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think that the time expectation when they're very little is a huge deal. And then like you said, the time of the time of day and everybody has like this picture. I mean, I, I literally have a picture perfect, you know, example on my dream board. I, I got this, uh, I found like this kind of Norman Rockwell style, uh, I guess, illustration of a family around a fire. Like dad's in a big armchair reading the Bible. One of the kids is like, on the arm of the chair, you know, kind of leaning up against him. One of the kids is on the ground, like coloring while he's got his feet up, you know, warming by the fire. And then the mom and daughter are like snuggling in a different chair. And like I said, he's reading the Bible. I was like, oh, I want that sentiment, you know, in in our home with reading the Bible to be a, a, a positive family time. I found that photo. But I think everybody has maybe a picture in their brain as to what they want. And 
oftentimes we have to really start working towards that in, in baby steps. And it is great if, if your desire is for, you know, the dad to be home, the mommy to be there, all the family to be together reading. That is great. Like that's a great, a great goal, but maybe you can't start right there. Maybe like you said, you have to start, you know, right after breakfast when the kids are in their best mood and your husband's not there, but you're training the kids yeah, to sit still. That's what I would encourage. Like if you as the mom really want this in your home, then start training the kids in the morning. And have that, have them already have this expectation. So then daddy gets home and they can surprise him with mm-hmm. how good their behavior is. But if kids don't know how to sit still and you're trying to deal with that plus Bible time in the evening and they're little and they're tired and you're tired and your husband's tired and irritable, then like no one's having a good time. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it, especially if you're making like a hard shift from, oh, we, the kids always used to watch cartoons at this time of the day mm-hmm. and now we're you know, negating that and we're going straight to the sitting still and reading the Bible. That's a hard shift for a kid as far as attention span goes and expectation and stimulation and all of that. And even as, you know, we just talked to, um, you know, Dr. Cardaris. Cardaris. Yeah. Cardaris was based on the name. And like he talked about, there is like this withdrawal period, this, this D, this D, um, I guess. Yeah. Detox period. And I, th- I think of that in so many things we're trying to implement into our children, you can take baby steps and it makes the journey a lot more enjoyable, uh, I think. And so like, like you said, we are just now doing like these straight through Bible times, maybe for 15 minutes at max, depending on how, how much we get rolling. But we started our family evening routine and just as something that we wanted our kids to look forward to. And like mm-hmm. I said, we didn't want screens involved, so we had to think of something to make it fun. So is that playing Uno? Is it you know playing Memory? And then each person standing up and reciting a poem and making it fun for everyone. Is it singing songs together? Um, we've done all those things, and right now, like I think our kids would be stoked just to all sit together and read the Bible, oh, like yeah. they because it's been a, a journey to get to this place. Actually, as I'm thinking about it, every single thing we do in our evening routine right now started out as a part of our morning routine. Hmm. Like even introducing read alouds to the children, the first chapter books where there were no pictures and they just sat there and had to use their imaginations. That started around breakfast before we ever introduced it in the evening. And then once they started enjoying it, then they started asking for it and we put it into our evening routine. But that that didn't start out. They didn't have that appetite starting out. They would have probably thought that was boring to just read a book with no pictures um, a year ago. Yeah. And so... I would say our journey to family Bible times, and every family is going to look different, is we started out with training in the mornings, sitting still. Our children got the sitting still part, and they could do it. They knew it was expected of them at any time in the day. And then we went to sitting still and doing a read aloud, and we did that for a while. And now we're at the point where we sit still and we read the Bible. Yeah. But, you know... Like we, that wasn't the the game plan was to phase into that, but that's just how it looked. And sometimes I'm not, you can just go cold Turkey straight into it, Yeah, but that's not how it looked for us. There, there, there will probably be painful elements to this journey, um, at various seasons. So it's not like, okay, if it's hard, then you shouldn't do it. Obviously there's going to be elements to everything we're implementing into our home that's going to be challenging uh, and it's worth working through it. But there are some times where you make it unnecessarily hard. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably what we're speaking to is, is don't make it too, too dramatically challenging if it doesn't need to be. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm also saying like, if you have a three and two year old, 
they can sit still. So that statement, you know, they can't sit still. They can be trained Mm -hmm. to sit still at that age for long periods of time, actually. And so I would, in that situation, I'd probably let your husband off the hook, you know, and be like, hey, this is not fun for any of us. I'm going to work with the kiddos. I'm going to work on them sitting still. Um, Could we maybe try this in a couple of weeks and Mm -hmm. see if they can do better in the evening? And and try it. You know, that gives you motivation to really work with the kids in the morning and set a higher expectation for them because you might have a high expectation for your husband to lead the family and be totally patient and calm with these little kids that are being rambunctious. (laughs) But if you aren't holding your children to the same high standard of respect and respecting their father and your authority, then it's just, it's just not going to be a great it's situation. Kind of counterproductive at yeah, that point. Yeah, it's counterproductive. So you either have to expect the kids to sit still and train them that way or just scrap it. Yeah. And then again, like another way to, I'm with you, agree with everything that you just said. But then I also think of how the kids, you know, I can sit down and read the, the Bible with a kid in my lap and they have that expectation they're going to sit still and the other kids will listen and sit still. Um, but I, I do think other things that have, I guess, conditioned us for this are just reading a lot of picture books to our kids as well. Like my kids sitting in my lap, reading a picture book. And as far as another baby step, maybe just if, if this is the only time, you know, your husband's experiencing sitting with his kids and reading, um, it's like, you're like giving him the hardest job. You're like, okay, like (laughs) I'll do the picture books, you know, I'll play the, I'll do the puzzles with them. I'll do whatever this where they're really engaged. And then you get the hard one, you know, kind of maybe ease him into that, interaction as well with with some picture books you know yeah that's a good point maybe uh, captain bones or something I don't know. <laughs> bones pirates of the sea um yeah so anyways i don't know we're just we've said a lot of different things here yeah i know around <laughs> family bible time well i think we I, and this is i i'm sure this is probably coming across but maybe i'll reiterate it and, we, and this is this feels it this last these last two and three months especially have really felt like a brand new season of parenting. And so I can only imagine what it's going to continue to feel like as our children grow each year, you know? And so our oldest is not even seven yet, but his development over the last three to six months has been, you know, in my mind, outstanding in the sense that it's like, oh, we're changing everything, you know, like his ability in music, his ability in reading, his ability to comprehend things. You're like, this is awesome. Like, let's, let's go, let's feed the, let's feed the fire here. And same with his sister who's right behind him and then their younger brother. And so to, you know, for, for the parents that are listening that have 10 year olds or 12 year olds, I'm sure you're thinking like, man, it just keeps, it keeps ramping up year after year. And that really is exciting. I, I love that my dad is still my primary mentor when it comes to, well, actually like everything in life, but especially with parenting, because it, it he just never stops reminding me that's just kind of like, yeah, you can grow. Like I will call him overwhelmed about certain situations and he's just kind of like, yeah, well, you can grow into that. Like you can grow into that. And he's constantly telling me like, I'm not, I'm not just stuck. Like I'm not at this, this place. I'm, I'm not okay, you're, you know, 30 now, you're 32, you're, you're maxed out. This is as, this is as much as you grow. He's just constantly telling me like, oh yeah, with each kid you grow, you know, with each stage you grow. And I love that. It's such a cool uh, thing that God gives us is not only our children that we get to see grow and mature and we get to take pleasure in that, but then we get to grow as they grow. And so it's really fun. Yeah, it is. They just keep pushing us and, um, yeah, I would just say set high expectations for yourself and your parenting and your children. Um, because, you know, if you miss the mark, 
that's fine. But kids are very capable and you are very capable as a parent. God has, God has created you that way. There's so much wisdom in God's word just for us as parents. And so really lean into it and just see how far you can go. How much can you delight in your children? How many Mm. enjoyable memory creating experiences can you create? How can you make something that's stressful engaging and something that your family looks forward to a year from now? Like those things are so worth pursuing. And the richest moments that we're experiencing right now, a year ago, I would have said, that is so hard. Mm. Like that's not worth trying to get to. But right now, they're the most enjoyable things that we get to do Oh yeah, as a family. And so I just think, just keep pursuing things. Don't drop them just because they're hard. Um, there is a payoff and a richness for continuing on that journey. Your kids are going to remember, and well, they'll, they'll, they're going to know now, and they will remember later whether or not you were delighting in them and you were delighting in their childhood. And I do think some of the biggest killers of delighting in your children and delighting in your life are so, is social media being caught up with what other people are doing with their families, you know, like, Oh, I I thought it was going to be like that. Or you thought, I thought my living room was going to be set up more like this with this decoration or, or the news, listening to the news and being way too aware of devastating world events. And so then your, all your kids know is a depressed parent, is an overwhelmed parent, is a stressed out parent, is is a parent that's full of anxiety. And there's all this anxiousness in the home. Like that is not what you want to give to your child. It's that's it, like, uh, again, it, we have such an amazing opportunity to give our kids a very wholesome, joy-filled childhood. I mean, as Christian children, that should, that should characterize their, their home is it, their childhood is, is joy, the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, and, and this hope that we have in Christ. And I, I know for myself, the things that just seem to be the antithesis to that, that would cause the antithesis to those emotions or to those fruits um, were things like the news and just choosing whether you're, if you're a dad, when you're driving home from work, it's like, man, you don't need to listen to the news. You know, like you can do something to get your head in the game where you're coming home, bringing energy and, you know, you're infusing energy into the home. Like you're, you're, you took care of the weight of the world out there. Like you're providing for them. You're, you're taking that on and then you get to bring this joy into the home. And it's, it's, it's nuts. The, how we get to set the tone and the attitude of the home as moms and as, and as dads. And anytime you and I both know it. When we when we sense a poor attitude in our kids, we just know too much to not look at ourselves and be like, "Well, we know we we know where this is coming from. It's not on our kids. It's on us." Like this attitude is starting with us. Whether we're short with each other, we're short with our kids, we're stressed about whatever, um, and then you see it in them. And, and this just goes into the family evening routine. Man, make it an enjoyable time. Like you get to be the architect of your evening. Make it something that you truly cherish, where you have those moments that we are like, I wish like I could just capture this. You know, we have those time and time again where you're like, man, I, I wish I wish this was all being recorded and someday later we could just watch this whole thing and just be in that moment. Don't feel like you need to record it. Don't you know? record it. Don't record it. That's <laughs> Don't the point. Is that, it. It's like, no, just be in that moment and seeing your kids, you know, build build Lincoln Logs or you hear them over in the corner and they're met with their imagination, you know, or I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm talking about, but I get, I get really convicted when I see myself bring stress into the home and the kids take it on themselves. Like you, you see it, like it passes from my face straight to their face. I'm like, well, boy, that's convicting. Well, I've had someone, you know, they only have one childhood. And so for us, it might just be a bad year or something, but for them, 
Whoa. It was the whole year they were six yeah. or it was the whole year they were 10 or 14 or right. whatever the case may be. And so it's, those are really important years. Those are big years for a child. Yeah. And so we just want to have that perspective of this is the only childhood they get. And mm -hmm. we really impact that. Um, and, and praise the Lord that his grace is sufficient for our insufficiencies. So this isn't a call to, you know, be the perfect parent and always be happy all the time. No. Like, Yeah, but in his grace, he has equipped us to yes, parent our children. He has. Yeah. And I would encourage you to, like Elisha was saying, craft your evening routine like your morning routine, which is enjoy it. Sometimes we think we need to get up at 5 a.m. and work out and do the, all this stuff. And so we don't get up at 5 a.m. because it sounds exhausting, right? Mm -hmm. Craft your morning routine to be something you love to do and you'll get out of bed a lot more often. And that is the case with the evening routine. Yes. Maybe don't start with things that are overwhelming for you, but put together a little tiny evening routine that is things that that are things that you and your children enjoy. And then once you already enjoy that, you can slide things yes. into that and build upon it. Um, but don't start by making it a time that everyone wants to run the other way from, mm -hmm. because that's not what you want people to, it's, it's hard to turn that ship around. Yeah. Yeah. Once the tone set. Yeah, exactly. So set thing. the tone and then yeah. you could really maneuver the tone into being whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah, Keep the, the tone, the activities, change the activities. But then you can, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Folks, thank you all so much for listening. Do you have anything else to share? I do not. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're excited to talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.